0: Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Get German Football News podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Evans, and this week I've been joined by two of our regular contributors and German football experts, Andrew Thompson.
1: Good afternoon,
0: gentlemen. And Tom Fenton. Good evening. And this week together we're going to be taking a look at the Champions League final, obviously, involving German champions Bayern Munich against PSG discussing a little bit about what went wrong for Leipzig in their semi-final against PSG and also taking a look at some of the transfers and transfer rumours concerning Bundesliga sides that have occurred over the past week or so. But to start, let's have a quick chat about Bayern Munich's 3-0 win against Lyon last night in the semi-finals of the Champions League, where it was hardly vintage Bayern Munich, but they eventually got the job done thanks to goals from Serge Gnabry, who obviously scored twice. Robert Lewandowski later on. If we come to you first, Drew, What did you make of their performance on the night?
1: No, I don't think. I don't think it was vintage Bayern. Um, and I think certainly, you know, you could argue in the first 20 minutes they would have been, they could have been two 0 down. I think that might be a slight worry moving forward against a side like PSG, who on their day probably put chances like that away. But Bayern showed their normal Bayern resilience. You know, that you let them work themselves back into the match. Um, and they'll end up killing you off if they get one chance. And you know, Nabry's first goal, first of all, was absolutely a sublime hit. But secondly, all they need is that one chance, that little bit of boost of confidence, that assured footing that they need. And usually they kick on and go get three points once, once they find themselves, you know, uh, you know, ahead on balance of play. So there's no disrespect to Leon. I think they played incredibly well, um, given that the, their tactical approach on the day. Um, I think Rita Garcia deserves a lot of credit for that. I think The players put themselves out well, but Bayern just have so much quality. You know, and I think that's going to be one of the reasons why they're going to be in the final line. No one's necessarily surprised. I don't think they were perfect, no. Um, I do think they have some, some areas they need to, to look into before the final. Um, but a lot of people will still back them to, to lift the trophy coming the end of the day. So, yeah, good on them for, for, for reaching it. And uh, it's, it's more accolades heading towards the away potentially, who you know, deserves a lot of credit for, for getting this team back in order after what was you know, a not-typical buyer start to the season.
0: Yeah, definitely. I don't know if you've got much to add to that, Tom.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I pretty much agree with all of it. It's uh, it's interesting because they they just find a way. You know, they have done ever since the the resumption of the Bundesliga after after lockdown. And you know, I think I always felt there was a blueprint somewhere in terms of the high line Bayern played, and in terms of if you could get at them early, maybe get an early goal, you could unsettle them. But they always just seem to to find a way. Uh, and if you give give them a sniff, you give them half a chance, they'll take it, and then. You know, uh, they'll go on and they'll, they'll add like two, three, four, or eight in some cases because they're, they're just so clinical. And again, there's plenty that I think PSG will look at and like the look of, look like the look of in terms of of def- you know the, the defensive side and and how you know Neymar and and Di Maria and Mbappe and their pace can stretch Bayern. Um, but really, if, if you give them any kind of an inch, they're just gonna they're gonna punish you. And, and once they find their feet, you know, they, they're just almost unstoppable on their day and. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because you do feel as if a, a clinical PSG side on their day, you know, they could have a couple of goals within within the first twenty. Because you saw it in the opening stages of the Lyon game, you know, where as as already mentioned, they could have been two 0 down early on, and even in the Barcelona game, while it was an you know an incredible performance in the end, there was a moment early on where you just felt, you know, Barca could get a couple of goals and. They, they showed a couple of vulnerabilities again and so I think it's a fascinating final And I, but I do think Tuggle will be looking at a couple of areas that he can exploit but it's just a case of you know can you stop uh, Bayern from getting into their stride And because they just always seem to find a way to win
0: Yeah and like you said you know first 20 minutes quite lethargic in a way do you think that's a case of like maybe fatigue or do you think it was just a case of a few players having a off 20 minutes, Drew, and how does Hansi Flick go into that PSG game trying to eradicate that?
1: I think you just have to find the tactical balance. Um, obviously, Bayern always want to impose themselves on a the match, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But if you look at PSG's ability to hit you on the break, obviously they like to have the ball. They like to control proceedings as well. But they have so much pace in, in, in their front three, so much ability 1v1 you know, with Mbappe and, and Neymar even di Maria to a, to a large extent as well, they can' allow themselves to be exposed, and as we've just discussed, you know if that's p s g and they're clinical and, and instead of leon i think p s u would see themselves to up quite comfortably um You have to limit those, those areas and one of the issues that Bayern have, and it's also one of their greatest strengths getting getting those wider areas with uh, people like Alfonso Davies, you know, overlapping it and Kimi when he when he gets the route, even Pavard, if he was to come in, still does get forward, you know, whether if that's just down to the player or instructions or a bit of both. It's a large part of their game, also part of modern football, but PSG have that ability to to sit back and counter you if, if they need to. I think Tuka will know that. Um, and he's 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 tried similar, you know, when, when he was with Dortmund as well as maybe go a bit more counterattacking based if he, if he needed to to try to get a result. So I think Flick might have to be the one to actually surrender some ground first. I think if you take away PSU's ability to hit you quickly and then be the ones to counter because buying in their own right have a ton of pace as well. You know, if you, if you would uh, everyone likes Paris, which is an industry and, and, and it's his final product. But if you go with someone like Coleman on one flank and Naby on the other, you know, you, and then you have Lewa drop a little bit deeper to maybe link up with Mueller and then they can hit them into, the, into those key areas, you know, over the top. Bayern could be the ones that actually be the counter-attacking side instead. So, as we just discussed, it's going to be an interesting tactical battle to see which which manager is going to want to seed ground first to to counteract the strengths that both those clubs have, and they're both actually very similar in that regard. So, it's going to be a good one, I think.
0: Yeah, and Tom, if we're talking about the way PSG are going to go about this game, is there perhaps anyone in Munich starting eleven or who flick might might play on the night, where they'll be looking. To attack a certain player, maybe
2: um, I think that, that there'll be a temptation to change a few things around because, you know, whether due to injury concerns or players coming back from injury in terms of Pavard. but it's 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 the old thing of you know, it's the tried and tested method, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, for all we can point to Bayern's flaws, whatever they've been doing has worked, and particularly in the in the Champions League room. You know, you look at Kimmich and he grabs two assists, playing it right back, even though, generally speaking, you prefer him in the middle for his input and for his influence. I think there will be, there might be a temptation to tweak things in the middle because they do have, you know, Thiago and Goretzka, who are brilliant players, no, no question. But, you know, they might want to tighten that up a little bit in terms of trying to crowd out the likes of Parades and the likes of, uh, you know, Di Maria to limit limit their creativity it's just it's a case of you know do you stick or twist if you're flick because you don't want to lose that attacking spark that the team has and the brilliance of Kimmich going forward on the right and the brilliance of Thiago and Goretzka who had a couple of uh, great moments too uh, in the Leon game so yeah you don't want to blunt that attacking force but by the same token flick has got to be acutely aware of the of the you know, as Drew just mentioned, the, the the capabilities PSG has on the counter because it's undeniable. And if you wanted to go for defensive solidity, you might play Pavard or you might bring somebody more defensive into the middle. And so I think for me, I'd, I'd probably want to stay with what's been working. But, but again, by the same token, you just he's going to have to do something to uh, circumvent that the threat that PSG have on the counter. Because, again, they have the individual quality to kind of get around any kind of tactical implementation so it really is a fascinating battle yeah like Tom
0: just mentioned obviously they might change it up by Munich on the night Drew if I come to you first and kind of going along and echoing what Tom's just said there if you're Hansi Flick do you maybe bring Benjamin Pavard in at right back you know he's over his injury he's had a good season to free up Kimmich Joshua Kimmich to play like as that anchor man in midfield almost to cover the back too with PSG's front line obviously
1: it's really tricky and i think tom brought up a lot of good points about you know sticker twist and do you really want to change what's worked to get to this point but i don't think there's any shame in identifying areas that maybe could be a weakness while also being a strength of yours it's a scenario where you have to gauge you know the percentages but i think it's going to come down to a simple fact about that you know, even if you're not know, going to get his overlapping on the right. If he comes central, he's still incredibly creative from deeper areas, and he does give that shield that I think Boateng and Alaba, assuming they both start, are going to really need against someone. You know that that front three, particularly the types of fronts that Mbappe likes to make. You know how mobile Neymar is. You, the last you want are these two players kind of drawing Boateng and Alaba out. If you have someone mobile in the middle, like Kimmich more mobile than someone like Gretzka, for example, um, I think you have a bit better balance. And Pavard, while well, he will come and make that overlap, and he can provide service from wider areas. He's not going to be as forward-thinking on the night, perhaps, and you get a little bit of um, um, aerial prowess with him as well on deal with things like set pieces. And I think that's maybe the only change I actually would make. I know I mentioned maybe bringing Coleman in for uh, Perisic, but um, I think you need Parisage industry. You really do against uh, against that, uh, PSU right hand side. So yeah, I think everything else should kind of remain the same. You don't want to go into a final making too many changes to the team. She, you know, maybe tweak the tactics a little bit, but you go with your best 11 possible. And I think bar that maybe one change, you don't change anything else. I think you go with the rest and and you say, you got us here and I'll take it home for us. So.
0: Yeah, obviously, uh, Manu just mentioned then, Jerome Burton came off against Lyon, being reported today that he should be fit for the match. Um, Tom, is it... Obviously, Nicolas Sula came on. He himself got... You know, picked up a bit, a bit of a knock when he was stood on by Leon attacker. If he asked to make the changes, Sule, obviously, is a great player, but is that detrimental to their chances of winning the final?
2: Uh, I'm not sure if it's detrimental, but uh, I think if it was me, I, I perhaps would stick with Boateng because he's he's been in, in that, you know, ever since the uh, the game at Union Berlin, he's, he's been there and he, and he's been... Uh, playing some of the best football he has done for years. You know, it seemed like his Bayern Munich career was finished uh, not so long ago, and now it's it's at least re, reinvigorated for another season. And I just think you want him in there with Alaba, who they seem to have a relatively good partnership at the minute, although you, like we, we we can point out, you know, where, the, where they fall short. But I think, generally speaking, you've got a good partnership there. Sula, his fitness is a, is a doubt. And again, if, in my opinion, his biggest strength as a player in terms of his... You know his physicality. He's brilliant in the air. I just think that's not necessarily going to be the number one priority against PSG. You're going to want somebody who has the legs to to uh, limit, you know, PSG's abilities on the counterattack. You want someone who can who can, uh, you know, again with, with experience. I mean, for all for all of Jerome Boateng's flaws, he has that experience. He has big game pedigree. And, uh, and and yeah, I think it's worth keeping him in. It would be a tremendous shame after everything he's done this season and the big part he's played in turning around Bayern's fortunes. I think it would be a huge shame if he missed out at the final stage because even if you have questions over his fitness, you have to say he's, he's earned his position in that final for what he's done, for what him and Alaba have done in the absence of Sula and, and a couple of other guys who've struggled with injuries. So... Yeah, for me, I'd go with Boateng. Uh, obviously, if he's injured, then you wouldn't be able to. But um, he's earned his place there. Uh, he's a big game player, and and this is this could potentially be, you know, the last sort of the last big game he has in the Bayern shirt because you never know what the future holds. So, yeah, I, th- I think I'd go with that, and I think he's the best player of Bayern have available in that position to try and limit the influence of Neymar, Di Maria, and Mbappe.
0: So I guess we come to a golden question, if you will. Um, I'll come first to you again, Drew. A bit of a prediction, maybe, for from Berthier. Um, how do you see it panning out on Sunday, and are you back in Bayern Munich to finish the job off and lift the Champions League again?
1: And I can't tell you how how much I hate predictions <laughs> because <laughs> predictions always end up making you look absolutely silly in the end. <laughs> um, it's really tough. Uh, if I had to go out on the limb. I don't know. I just, I kind of feel like PSG might actually do it, and I think it's going to be really tight. I don't think it's going to be a high scoring affair either. I think it's going to be something like a one 0 or a two one. But I just think that maybe maybe Tuchel might be the the one to to maybe you know go left when you're supposed to go right if you're playing chicken, um, and might make that slight tweak to to make them less susceptible to being so open. I think you know Bayern do come with a confidence and it's an incredible confidence, but I think they're gonna wanna go out there and show that, you know, they wanna be dominant in the final. I think that could be the reason why they, why it bites them in the end and it's not necessarily a bad approach to take. I just think PSG have so much quality moving forward. Um that they might not even get a ton of chances but they'll put them away at the end, at the end of the day. So um yeah, I think it's actually gonna be PSG and I know I might uh, if I eat my words, please give me all all you know, all the crap for it in the world. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and your uh, your final thoughts as well, Tom. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's the ultimate fifty fifty game. I, I really can't call it. You know, it's the first time since ninety eight that you've had two uh, champions of their of their leagues in the final of the Champions League, which is just say, you know about time. So it really is the best of the best and the cream of the crop. And the only thing I can use in terms, I think Drew made a lot of great points, and I, I really wouldn't argue against him because I can't call it. But the only thing I draw from the only thing that, that gives me any kind of indication as to what might happen is the the celebrations in the PSG dressing room afterwards, which the cameras picked up, and how how jubilant, understandably, how jubilant the PSG players were, and almost how level-headed by contrast, Bayern seemed after the eight-two and after the win over Lyon, because you know sometimes you you put so much into the semi-final, or the quarter-final. And you just don't turn up in the final. I mean, Liverpool did it in the 2016 Europa League. I think Germany, to an extent, did it in 2014. And so the only thing I can draw on is to say maybe PSG's, you know, uh, sort of efforts in getting to getting here and the emotional drain of that could give Bayern some kind of edge. And the fact that, you know, a lot of the Bayern players have been there before. Of course, a lot of the PSG players have too. But... Uh, yeah, I think I just favour Bayern uh, because they just seem to find a way, no matter what they're up against. They just seem to find a way at the minute. So, I really can't back. I really can't bet against them. I'm, I'm going to say Bayern, but just again, and I would agree with Drew, probably in a low-scoring affair because it could just be a classic case where, you know, both sides are so terrified of the opposition's attack that they just shut things down, and you know, a, a moment of magic wins it. So, I think I'll say Bayern, but uh, but yeah, this really is anybody's. So one from our experts
0: Uh, for what it's worth I think it's going all the way I think Bayern Munich will do it on penalties on Sunday. How dare you. (laughs) 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 I'm going to stay on the fence as much as possible. It's probably the (laughs) smart (laughs) thing. (laughs) (laughs) So if we obviously wraps that up, if we stay in the Champions League, obviously had Leipzig departed in the semi-finals against PSG, 3-0 loss there. Um, Just a quick reflection on that game. Obviously it's been a few days now. Drew, if we come to you again first, what did you take away from that? Was it, you know, obviously a lot of Leipzig players in the press after saying they're a bit disappointed with how they played, or was it maybe just one set too far for a young team?
1: You could obviously make that that argument. I do think that the performances across the team were actually quite poor for the level that we're used to seeing them being able to hit. I, 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 it's hard to pick apart Nagelsmann's you know, match plan and say that it was incredibly weak. I, there may have been one change that <laughs> I maybe would have made. I, I don't know if Campbell would have been the best choice for sitting a bit deeper. Um, but other than that, um, you look at the team and you would say that it, it should have been capable of so much more. But I think the biggest takeaway you could say is that they really missed Team Werner already. And that's going to that's gonna be such a potentially season-defining concern for them. Um, and it's, it's, it takes nothing away from Yusuf Poulsen, how good of a servant he's been, you know, the kind of performances that we've seen from Nkunku this season. Um, Sabitzer and Olmo, how good they are going forward from midfield, but missing Timo Werner, that, that, that could have been one key dynamic that, that they could have relied on in certain moments in that match that really could have given PSG a moment of pause. And I don't know if there was a ton about that uh, Leipzig team that really would have made those players really stand up and take notice to the point where it it almost instills a fear in you, and that that is a factor, a mental factor in football. You look on the other side and you see a player that has that that amount of dynamism and that that kind of pace. You know, it definitely gets into your head and, and changes your your line of thinking as the match moves forward. So, um, yeah, it's yeah. Apart from that, maybe one step too far, but it does show how much potential that that the club has. Under Nagusmann, um, that they're uh, maybe ethos in building a squad, how it's working. Um, so I don't think that should change much. Um, I really don't. I think again, the biggest question before it is we touched on this last last episode was how they're going to replace Ferner, both um, statistically speaking and also tactically speaking. So um, other than that, hats off to them for making a semifinal. Uh, that's kind of it, really. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I agree completely. Um, I just think it's it's the best they could have hoped for this year in the current stage without Timo Werner. Um, you know, this is a PSG team that has, you know, the individual talent to beat anybody in terms of an attacking sense, at least. And this was an occasion where, okay, maybe Neymar wasn't at his most, uh, at his deadliest best in terms of being in front of goal. But you just saw that the work rate even Neymar was putting in, that they you know, people tracking back like, late into the game, uh, again, individual moments of uh, brilliance, and and yeah, for me, just a step too far and, and a step too soon almost. You want you know you want to give this team a bit a bit more time to develop. Uh, you want to give somebody else an opportunity to take over that mantle from Timo Werner because you know there are a couple of moments for Paulson where he you know he could have dragged them back into the game and it just didn't quite happen. And I think the only thing you can put you can point to tactically or in terms of the team selection is perhaps a bit too attacking. Uh, like Drew mentioned, you know Kevin Campbell being the kind of holding player, perhaps didn't do didn't do them too many fav- favors, and you know as a very attacking midfield with Olmo and Sabitzer, you know it's um, but their their day will come again, you know particularly Olmo who's shown uh, he's got a tremendous potential and the the entire team really you'd say he's got tremendous potential if they can keep that keep the core together and, and build on it and keep the spine. So yeah, I don't think there's too much more to add really. They they were just beaten by beaten by the better team and by by an attack that can blow any team in World Football away on their day. And they very much were on their day, uh, you know, uh, in the semi-final. So, yeah, not not too much to add from me.
0: Well, that's about it for the Champions League. If we take it back to Bundesliga next, obviously, and over in Germany, it's been a busy week in terms of transfers across the league and transfer rumours to coming in Dortmund where we've seen yet another shift in the tide of the Jordan Sancho transfer saga where it's now looking less likely we will move to Manchester United and Old Trafford And he's been joined this week by Real Madrid youngster, the Brazilian Renier on loan for two years. No obligation to buy. To buy but obviously we sat here just over a week ago and we didn't write off Russia did it anywhere but how much brighter is it looking a week later The San Diego Maste, They've added a bit of flair up top, Drew.
1: I'm going to let Tom go first because I feel really bad at him always saying, yeah, I don't have much more to say because Drew said everything. So let's let Tom go first. I do really feel quite bad that, So <laughs>
2: <laughs> Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> no, well, I, I do actually have um, quite a bit to add about this because uh, Rainier is a player I've been uh, watching for a while now. Um, chiefly because... I'm just fascinated by the, the production line in Brazil and, and the way that, you know, Real Madrid always seems to be the team that that reaches out first and, and, and grabs the the next big thing. And, you know, he, uh, I think this is a signing that for me makes sense. It's another one where if it works out, you get two years, a bit like Hakimi. You know, Hakimi was the perfect example of how you do this correctly. Okay, it didn't end well because they really should, should have stumped up the money to sign him, given his impact. Uh, but this is a, a case of, very little downside in terms of the financials, but a lot of upside in terms of what he can give you uh, in two years. He's a goal-scoring midfielder. I think he adds another dynamic to the Dortmund team if he can if he can get himself into the team. He's only 18 years of age, of course, so don't expect too much too soon. But he's got all the talents in the world and, and all the potential is there. Um, you know, clearly... Madrid don't see him. I don't think there's a route into that first team now for a player who's a central midfielder by trade. That's a very you know crowded area to get in. Even if you're you know playing as a as a fullback, as as Hakimi found out, it's not easy to get into that team. So yeah, for me, it's a pretty low risk deal, and it's one that could pay off magnificently if they can get the best out of him. And you know, in terms of what it means to Dortmund, uh, it's just it's an it's a bit of positive news at a time when they need it. And of course. If Sancho does stay, as, it, as it's looking increasingly increasingly likely that he will, it, it's a, it's a it's an attacking addition that adds to the intrigue for me next season. And uh, and yeah, it, it, it's all about optics right now. I feel like for Dorman, because you want the fans and the media and, and pundits like ourselves to kind of believe that they can challenge by next season. You know, while this isn't a marquee signing who's going to be, you know, the the ready made product now, uh, it's it's a good move in the right direction. And keeping Sancho on board is perhaps the best business they can do this summer, so uh yeah, for me, they're getting a player with an incredible amount of upside. you know he's somebody who was the captain of the Brazilian under seventeen squad, and he you know in Brazil he scored like six goals in fourteen games as a midfielder, and he's always shown that he can play that kind of like Frank Lampard role and add vital goals to a to a to a team and yeah so it's an intriguing one for me because. There's no guarantees, but at the same time, there's not too many drawbacks if it doesn't quite work out. It's, it's a case of, you know, you might have two years with a player who could go on to have a similar impact as Jaden Sancho. Or maybe he it doesn't quite work out. He doesn't get as many minutes, but you haven't had a massive outlay. So, yeah, for me, uh, it's a good week for Dortmund, a better week for Dortmund. And if they keep Jaden Sancho, uh, yeah, I, I think that they're looking in uh, a pretty healthy place right now. Yeah, maybe just speaking a bit more about Jim Sancho and coming back to
0: you, Drew. Um obviously we know it's key that he stays at Dortmund. Is it literally a case of if he leaves, then my own stairs is a chance, maybe?
1: Oh, you're gonna have to repeat that because the audio broke up.
0: <laughs> That's fine. Um <laughs> Just talking about Jadon Sancho again, as we've just mentioned, obviously looking more likely he's going to stay now, given that he's you know gone off on pre-season with his team. He seems to have settled in with Jude Bellingham quite well. Is it literally a case of he's that key that if he stays, Dortmund are well back within the title race?
1: Yeah, I think so. And I know it's a lot of pressure for a player who's still just a teenager, but... I mean, he's been that good, not just this season, but last season as well. And um, if memory serves, he's one of the only players to to register a double-digit goals in assists, you know, back-to-back seasons in Europe. Um, He's absolutely key. Um, And you kind of saw it as well when when he had his off moments. Dortmund may have gone on and gotten three points, but they didn't look as convincing moving forward uh, in the final third of the pitch. So um, I think he's put himself on that level for them now. I mean, Reiner is an interesting deal and um, maybe Dortmund can look to, to that deal and complete it long-term in a way they couldn't with Hakimi um, because of the, um, the non-EU player spot rule with, with the Spanish clubs. So if, if, if Real should keep Vinicius Jr. Rodrigo and Edwin Otao, there's no place for him in the team. Um, so maybe Dortmund are looking at that moving forward in the next two years. Um, these two players are probably going to be pinned by Real Madrid anytime soon, so they might actually be trying to go that one step further than they could before, and it's an incredibly good business on on Zork's part um, to target a player of that potential quality. But you know, going back to Essential, I do think that you know there's a reason why they're so they're being such firm footed about wanting to get the full valuation for him, you know, not in installments; they want it all up front because you could make the argument that he is borderline irreplaceable this summer. You know, for a player that can come in and have that same impact, you know, moving forward, a player might be able to. We don't know if Reiner could be that player or if it could be somebody else, but um, to hit the ground running and to to produce the way he has been producing for the club, it would be a a very large task. So, yeah, I do think he's in that discussion now. of It's vital they keep him at least this season if they have any um, uh, motivations on trying to actually by him for the title this year.
0: Yeah, and talking of players are irreplaceable if we move south to Leverkusen again you know it's been another week where a week's gone by another week where Kai Havertz you know the Chelsea deal isn't completed but it seems to be getting closer reports suggesting this week that the German attackers agreed personal terms with Chelsea and that the whole deal including his five-year contract will cost the Blues around 200 million euros 100 million of that being the transfer fee the rest wages, Tommy. If we come to you first this time, then is there a chance here that it drags on too long for Leverkusen, and even though they're going to end up with all this money, all of a sudden they won't even be able to reinvest it properly before the new Bundesliga campaign begins?
2: Yeah, I think it's a danger. Um, you know, Leverkusen are in a tricky situation because you know they have they haven't got the luxury of potential Champions League payments in the way that other clubs have uh you know and, and and similarly they're going to want to build because they need to build they need to find a way to get back into the top four to start challenging maybe even challenging the likes of Dortmund and Bayern uh, in years to come um so uh, yeah the sooner the better and and the more that Chelsea drag their feet and they drag their you know buyer drag their feet over a fee it just slows the whole process down and um you know I buy a it's a it's a is a team in my opinion where you can look at quite a few areas in that team and point out areas where you can improve and you know it's uh it's tough and, and I just I feel I feel sort of I feel in a way for the club because you just want to move forward, you want to move on. It's very clear that you've got a star player and an asset who just doesn't want to be there anymore, who's ready to progress to the next stage. And you just want to go ahead and invest that money and, and target names and uh and get them bedded in first and foremost, ahead of the new season without there being any kind of uh, sort of last minute tweaks or changes. So, yeah, I think it's frustrating for all parties because Chelsea are in the same boat. They want to get all their signings boxed off too. But um, it's tough. It's tough. And, and, I, and I just think, you know, you're not going to be able to replace somebody like Kai Havertz in terms of what he brings you uh, as a as an academy product, what he brings you as a, you know as a i guess as a kind of de facto leader you know he became in in that buyer team and uh and in terms of the raw talent he has too so it's tricky uh and i just yeah I, i'm left a bit sort of worried really for buyer in terms of what they can do because in 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 the time of the covid-19 pandemic i mean you you really don't have the resources to be able to just go out pay you know uh spend a load on players and sort of you know Hope that Chelsea deliver because if that deal falls through, you put yourself in a massive financial hole. So they really do need, with no Champions League football, they really do need this deal to go through in order to have the funds to be able to go out and reinvest. Because in my opinion, particularly with Havertz going, and maybe too with Leon Bailey going, as we might discuss later on, I mean it's it's uh, it's a club that needs reinvestment. So I, I hope for their sake that they can get this deal boxed off sooner rather than later
0: yeah and speaking about leon bailey we're going to do a quick fire transfer room around now to finish off tonight where i'm going to mention one of the transfer rumors from the week or so involving a bundesliga side and then ask both drew and tom to rate the likeliness of the deal out of five five the most likely one not going to happen there and just give us a quick comment on how it would affect both the buying team and the team that are losing the player so if we start first with Mines' Robin on to Jose Mourinho's Tottenham.
1: I, can I give it a negative number? Is that possible? <laughs> <laughs> Are we, I just It's not that he's a poor player, you know, he, 13 goals this season, so he's level for sixth in, in the Bundesliga in terms of goals. So he would bring, you know, a certain amount of secondary goal scoring to, to Spurs you know, past Terry Kane and he would and be in that elk with maybe uh, son, but yeah, you know the positions that he excels in, the positions that son starts in. So the, I, I just think the deal wouldn't make any amount of sense. Um, and certainly for Mainz, you know, a team that bless them kind of need as much goals as they can get. <laughs> Losing him <laughs> would would it just it wouldn't make sense for him for them to lose him. It certainly wouldn't make sense for Spurs to invest in the area when you just thought the broader Stephen uh, Stephen last season who. Um, even though he's not completely settled, he's look good and he's also tactically flexible. He can play on both the left and the right. So I just don't see it making sense from a tactical standpoint for Spurs or an uh, 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 any standpoint for Mainz <laughs> moving forward. So yeah, I would give it like a negative
0: two. <laughs> and then maybe if we move to Crystal Palace striker, Alexander Solov to Leipzig. If we come to you for that one, Tom.
2: I mean, it's... I'd probably just say like a two perhaps because it's 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 not going to be for the most amount of money. It's not going to be the worst deal in the world. It's clearly, clearly just someone to offer a bit of competition for Paulson, I think. Uh, it didn't work out in England. There's maybe a chance it could work out in Germany. So it's just a bit of a... It's, it's like throwing the dice and hoping that it sticks for me. It's not a player you're going to be buying because he's guaranteed to bring in goals. But I mean, you know, uh, we've seen a lot of players who struggle... Uh, perennially in the Premier League, come to the Bundesliga and look like a new player. So I'll say a two. It's not the worst. It's not going to be be too expensive. And who knows, it could work out well.
0: Yeah, and back to you, Drew. Uh, if we go with one that's come up today that we all saw together on the chat in Noddy Mukieli to PSG from Leipzig.
1: Um, yeah, I think I kind of mentioned it before, maybe um, pre-record that simply this could just be a French connection kind of thing. Um, You know, a player who's come on quite well as he has, um, one of the biggest team in France, you know, come in for you. Do you say no? I I do think moving forward, he would make PSG better. Um, and I think it speaks to, you know, how quickly he's developed at Leipzig. Um, I think it would make sense for, maybe for both. Um, Obviously, WLR aren't short on cash um, and they have such a a good model Replacing players that they've lost, um, it's just with another younger player who they can come on and uh, and develop. Uh, but for PSG's sake, it, it might be a cheeky move for a club who have a habit of spending big when maybe they don't necessarily need to. So going for him might be a sign that maybe they're changing ever so slightly, and, and maybe just this one example of of their business model, perhaps. But um, I think the move will work out for both. So. Uh, I don't know, I think if PSG is serious, I would maybe give it like a three and a half or a four, just because, again, they're just a bigger club. You know, they have, you know, it's back in his home country. So, yeah, and I think the money would be great for him, obviously. So, yeah, I could see it happening if they're actually serious.
0: And one you mentioned before, Tom, a minute ago, uh, Leon Bailey from Leverkusen. He's got a few suitors, especially in the Premier League, but most likely Tottenham again, if you want to take that one.
2: Um, it's a tricky one for me because I think you're buying Leon Bailey for the player he was maybe a couple of years ago, rather than the player he is today. Uh, and I worry in Spurs about being crowded out. Uh, there's a lot of good sort of wingers and attacking players there. And uh, for him to go there, like I, sp- I spoke to to a guy from an Everton podcast um, a little while back, back about how Bailey could be perfect for Everton, because I think he'd fit in. I think he'd get game time and I think he'd work with the Ancelotti system. I don't really see him working to the same extent in Spurs because I don't think you can guarantee that he's going to get as many minutes with the, the like of Bergvine and Lucas and, and so forth. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's probably going to happen. I think it's the most likely destination now. So in, in that sense, I'll probably say a four. But in terms of suitability, uh, I, I guess a three because there's still a player in there. And, you know, I mean, if, if anyone can get, it, can get it back, then uh, it's maybe Mourinho
0: a couple more then and maybe we'll stick with you Tom for the next one as well uh, Freiburg's Robin Koch to Premier League New Boys Leeds United
2: yeah, for me, this is a great one because uh, it's no secret that Leeds United are chasing uh, Ben White. who had a great campaign for them last season. They want to make that deal permanent, uh, but they've hit a few stumbling blocks. And this is a guy who's going to cost in excess of 20, 25 million or so forth. So if you wanted a, a German equivalent or, or a sort of a, or a European uh, slightly, slightly cheaper version of Ben White, I think it probably would be somebody in the mold of Robin Koch who, uh, has many of the same attributes, He's a good all-rounder, somebody you can play midfield and defence, uh, good potential as well. He's not the finished article yet by any means. Um, and he'll cost you a lot less too. So I also think he'd suit Leeds United in the sense of, he. he'd I think he'd suit the Bielsa system. I think he'd, he's good on the ball. Uh, he's, he likes sort of picking out a long ball and he's very ambitious when he's uh when he's in possession so um, for me Leeds would be a great fit I don't think he's ready yet for a truly elite club or a European side but I think Leeds would be a good fit you can phase him in and so for me I'll give it a four or a five and finally last one for tonight if
0: we go back to Drew and we'll give you Schalke's Weston McKennie to Premier League side Southampton
1: like I'm being a bit typecast here I don't know I'm just kidding <laughs> obviously <laughs> um, I actually like this though quite a bit I think you know, there's a lot of a talk of, of players like Kulisic who, you know, a young American came into a big side in Chelsea and hit the ground running. Um, I think McKinney, he also, he has a lot of potential as well. I think it's, it's, t- it's tough to analyze players at Schalke at the moment because you get such a raw deal with how much of a mess they've been. But I think McKinney actually would suit what Hassan Hubele would want to do. at Sonnet. I think he's a really good replacement for Hoyberg, who's already left um, to Spurs. Um, somewhat like Falak, but McKinney, I think, has a higher potential ceiling. And he's that kind of younger player that Hasnu has historically worked with and, and gotten a lot out of. Um, I think financially it makes sense for both clubs. Shalakos would probably need to reinvest be that wisely for once in their life. it would be great. Um, yeah, I, I would probably give it, you know, maybe like a four. Um, yeah, obviously, yeah, it's just, yeah. I think it just makes sense tactically in terms of what the manager would want um for the player as well um i think he'll get even more exposure perhaps um i think obviously he would have seen how pools has just done since he's come over and maybe they'll give him a bit of confidence as well so i think it makes sense for both
2: it's a real real has player as well i think just somebody who'd, who'd fit in that system perfectly
0: well with that we'll conclude tonight's episode of the get german football news podcast again a massive thanks to both drew and tom for their help and expertise as always uh, remember to follow us on the socials, especially Twitter, to keep up to date with all things Sherman Football. And in the meantime, stay safe and thanks for tuning in again.